0: Hey there, I'm Scott, and this is Tangents. And this is going to be completely unrelated to pretty much anything I ever discuss, but I'm, well, actually I can bring it into something that I have talked about before, Apple. Um, I'm, I'm so annoyed with banks, uh, business banks. I've I've tried, when it, not just business banks, but bank and, banks in general, I've tried US Bank, Chase, Wells Fargo, Silicon Valley Bank. Um, I, I can't even, probably others that I'm not thinking about. And they all pretty much suck. It's, it's amazing to me how terrible they are. Uh, I, I use Simple uh, for my personal checking, basically kind of day-to-day stuff. And it works pretty well. It's, it's one of the better ones. Um, because it is simple, I guess, but it's just shocking to me. Like the the one that is particularly egregious for me is you know all the other ones at least are not really trying, so you can kind of ex- you can excuse U.S. Bank for having shitty online services, kind of. Although it is 2020, but Silicon Valley Bank basically brands themselves as a bank for startups. And they do have some features that are pretty nice. Like um, wire transfers are quick. They don't cost very much. Um, that's that's the thing that's annoying because if you're spending a lot of money, um, well, I guess it depends on your perspective, but thousands or like tens of thousands of dollars seems like a lot of money to me in a single transaction. Um, I know there are people for whom that's not a big deal, but to me, it feels like something. And yet, like with my my other bank, um, it's it takes like a week to do that. It costs like a hundred bucks a pop, which you know, it, it it feels ridiculous to me. I mean, this is an electronic transfer over a ACH network. Um, you know, the funds are there. You know, it's um, it's just there's no excuse for it other than I mean, I'm sure on the back end some of these things are still running like old mainframes, at least virtualized ones. And the software is probably COBOL or some you know crazy bullshit. But even with that, even with that, there's just no excuse not to have these transfers be instant. The cost of one of these transfers, I mean, it should be essentially free, right? There's just no legitimate excuse for not having it be free. It's one of the reasons why you can understand, like I, I, I fucking despise Bitcoin, I think it's a terrible thing. Um, I think it is not a solution to any real problem. And uh, yeah, but there are certain things about it where you're kind of like, you can see the appeal, the ability to transfer money from any person to any person instantly, air quotes instantly, uh, seems appealing. But the thing is, there's no reason that you need a blockchain or cryptocurrency or anything for this. It's, a, it's kind of a solution in search of a problem, I would say. And it's really more of a problem in search of a problem because it's not a solution to anything. It has very long, you know, like the, the resolution time for a bank transfer, this is one of the reasons why it infuriates me that it takes me a week to transfer from one of my banks. Um, and then Silicon Valley Bank will do it in a day, but even a day is like you know, long. And the, the fees that they charge are ridiculous, literally is just a database in one bank talking to a database in another bank with a little interface the banks can tell you you know it's not like the bank that is receiving the funds doesn't know that the funds are there you know and so there's no reason to have the resolution time be more than you know seconds Uh, you could give them a day just because you got like your standards are so low but it shouldn't be a week there's no excuse for that it's just ridiculous and I mean the thing is like the resolution so getting to the resolution time if you do a credit card transaction the resolution times on those so like the amount of time between when you're doing that and when it's actually applied is a fraction of a second it's ridiculously fast and the reason you can do this of course is because they have you know like a, a central or maybe it's a decentralized database, but it's located in a few different places. There's synchronization, and it's something where there are, a lot of, there are a lot of things you can do to make massively parallel databases that are extremely high performing. And it's just, it's a solved problem. Now you go to blockchain in contrast, and the idea of blockchain is basically you have this cryptographic ledger, which is essentially distributed over a whole network and i'm not going to give you a good primer on this but basically if i have a transaction um, i talk to somebody else and then in the process of resolving that all of the network not necessarily the entire network but a big chunk of the network and it kind of propagates out takes that transaction puts it in the ledger and so you have this record that we all kind of agree on Uh, which sounds decent But it's one of these things where like, if you don't understand how databases work, maybe it's not that bad, but it's just frankly dumb. There's no need for it. There's no excuse for it. And especially when you look at the amount of energy that it requires per transaction, Uh, it's ridiculous. It's obscene compared to the amount of energy it requires for say visa to resolve a transaction. It's just night and day. The amount of time it takes to resolve a transaction for Bitcoin, it's like tens of minutes. Um, for Visa, it's like milliseconds, you know? And you start looking at this and you're like, what the fuck is the point? The, the only thing that I can even kind of slightly see that this might be useful for is if you had say, um, a distributed system where there's significant light travel time. So if, say you had uh, a bank on Mars and a bank on Jupiter not on Jupiter, but in orbit of Jupiter, and a bank on Earth. Having those databases synchronized in some way is necessary. And there's going to be time skew, obviously. So like if you, you know, what do you do if you spend a million, you, you have a million dollars in the bank, you spend a million dollars in the bank on Mars, you spend a million dollars here, now you've spent $2 million, and there's no propagation between the two or at least i mean you know, it takes a while for the time for the signals to get from one to the next so briefly at least there's confusion and i mean fundamentally i guess the problem there is there's no answer to that other than waiting for the whole network to synchronize but that kind of thing also you can do a distributed database even with time lags like this and sync things up it's it's a solved Problem more or less in terms of computer science. And Bitcoin does not really solve that problem. It doesn't, it's not designed to to handle that. It kind of would work for it, but not really. And it's not just a Bitcoin thing. It's the whole concept of this distributed database. It's one of these, like I get the appeal. It's like, oh, we're totally decentralized and all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then there's a bunch of bullshit also like, okay, fiat money, Uh, A dollar has no intrinsic value. It's kind of backed by the full faith uh, of the U.S. federal government. You know, it it doesn't have, it's not like a dollar is exchangeable for something of substance, intrinsically. But you know the full faith and credit of the U.S. government and the U.S. military and all of this is behind it. Uh, Bitcoin is kind of similarly, like everybody just agrees on it. But you can see the the price value, the, the, the value of one Bitcoin fluctuates wildly over short periods of time. It's not something that you would want as a currency. Uh, it's maybe arguably a commodity, although, I, I mean, technically I guess it is a commodity, but it's just, it's just silly. It irritates the shit out of me. And when you look at the carbon footprint of this shit, uh, and also like, The thing that drives me nuts, and I think this is one of of the through lines uh, that I keep coming back to, but I'm not anti-capitalist in general, although I do it's a complicated thing because if you look at it in the sense of capitalism and racism are very intimately connected and all of these things, you know, is capitalism the sort of ideal where you make things and you have you add value and you exchange value and all of this kind of stuff. I guess technically not. There's no other, I don't think there's another word for it that makes sense. And you kind of think, well, if that's not what capitalism is, then maybe I'm anti what we have because what we have is shitty. What we have, it's definitely, I mean, I don't know, it, it's, it's just so dumb. Like you have, VC funds, private equity firms who have a lot of money and they just kind of, they have, and I'm not disparaging all VCs, maybe I am, but I'm not, you know, kind of a little bit, but yeah, you know, if you're a VC, you have a bunch of people who are like, you know, their, their job is basically to go out, talk to startups and then decide, okay, well, you're interesting enough that I'm gonna to talk to the rest of my firm about you on Monday in our meeting. And then if we like you, we kind of go through this process and then eventually we give you a shit ton of money. Um, Where a shit ton of money can have various definitions. Uh, But it can mean like stupendously large amounts of money. Like, you know, crazy amounts of money. And it's such an arbitrary thing. There's just no, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that it's pure gambling, although it is kind of gambling. And it's also, a lot of it is just manipulation of markets because you have, you know, if you have a company, um, I'm trying to think of a good one, but like these, these scooters that were very popular for a little while, the scooters did not make economic sense. As a business, not, not viable. The cost is too high. Um, They they just don't, you know, they kind of made sense in the sense that, you know, people were using them. But people were using them, but still they're paying in less money than it costs to support the whole system. And so you start looking at that and you're like, well, what the hell is the point of this? And the idea, of course, that they have is, well, we're going to get so big that we have monopoly power. This is literally, you know, Peter Thiel is a big uh, VC guy, huge asshole um he's one of the people who's like super pro you know get a monopoly um and you know that's the whole idea you get this is like the mythos of private equity and of you know startups in this sense you get a thing you have a company that does something and then somehow you acquire a monopoly a monopoly could have a limited scope but you own that market And then you reap ridiculous profits from it. So you basically shut everybody else out. And this is one of the things they do. You have so much money that you can do things like sell things at a loss to put other competitors out of business. And then once the competitors are out of business, now you can do whatever the fuck you want. You raise the prices, your margins go from negative to positive, and then you just make a ton of money. That is the the story. The problem is it's not, a story, I mean, first off, having a monopoly is shitty. Um, the fact that mono- monopolies exist, uh, it's not a great thing. It's, it, it is one thing when there are kind of natural monopolies, like uh, utilities, it tends to be something where just building the infrastructure doesn't make sense to have 10 power lines coming into your home and then you pick. Um, it's just kind of silly. You could do it, you certainly do it, But it's such a duplication of very expensive, capital intensive um, infrastructure that why do it? So those are kind of natural monopolies. And in those cases, in my opinion, and I think I feel very confident in this, they should be government run or it should be something where it's something that's essentially publicly owned. I don't mean publicly owned in the sense of publicly traded. Uh, There's a weird confusion there that I see in a lot of people that's like, Oh, Uber is publicly owned. No. very fucking big difference because it's on the stock exchange. Does not mean that it's a publicly owned company. Uh, it's It's crazy to me that this is even a thing that people claim, but I see it all the time. So anyway, you know, you you can not get a monopoly on something. Uber is a great example. Fundamentally, the cost to enter that market is so low. like probably, low single digit millions of dollars, and you could set up a rideshare company. In principle, you could do it for less, but you need to, in in order to do that, you have a two set, you have a network of like the providers and you have a network of customers and you have to get those large enough to make sense. Costs some money to do that, but not that much. So even if Uber somehow killed all of the competition, instantly, you know, they start raising their prices and now instantly competition pops back up no more Monopoly. So the story is bullshit. The story is just this pipe dream that they sell to investors. It's like, hey, throw in a billion dollars, Saudi government, also like the people that they take money from, you know, like literally murder, ju- murder journalists, you know, like MBS kind of people. Um, not good people, South, South Bank, SoftBank. You know, you look at them, probably not the best company in the world and they also have a shitty track record. But they put all of this money in these companies on this just delusion. And I, it, I'm convinced it's just a pyramid scheme for investors basically. Like you are the first money in and then you hype it up to the next guys so you can have an exit. Exit means you cash out, make a lot of money. And then they have to do it to the next and to the next and to the next. Eventually you run out of that. You can only go up so many... Like, once you get to billions of dollars from a massive fund, um, what are you going to do next? You can do um, IPO. So do a public... Make your company publicly traded. Again, not a public company, but publicly traded. And then you can raise a lot of money from, essentially, suckers who see, you know, like, oh, Uber is this big company. Everybody knows Uber. You buy the stock. Stock crashes when the company kind of folds because... Frankly, Uber does not make sense as a company. It should should not exist. Fundamentally, should not exist as a company. Um, when you look at the revenue and you look at the costs, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Now, there are companies, like Amazon makes sense as a company, at least. I'm not a huge fan, mind you, but at least as a company, it exists. It is a viable business. Um, unlike, again, Uber. Unlike these... Um, these fucking scooters, unlike a lot of companies that are backed by VCs. So, you know, Amazon exists, but they're still a monopoly. I mean, they're, and they're not like the only game in town, but damn near. I mean, if you want certain things, uh, you have to do much more work. And Amazon has so much scale, so, so much scale that they can have razor thin margins and still make a decent profit. Whereas if you're some other company, you need, because you don't have the scale, you need to make more money, which means you need to charge more, which means, and you have less negotiating power, which means all of your expenses are higher. So you need to charge more again. And people see the difference in cost, and it's hard to talk people into spending much more money to support a local business or somebody who is not Bezos. And so Bezos is on track to become a trillionaire, um, it's great, you're doing well, U.S. He's, it's not just U.S., it's the whole fucking world. They're, I don't know, and the thing is, I don't begrudge people, like if you're making a business that works, uh, I know people who don't like this idea at all, they're like, oh, you can start a company and then once you have employees, it should just be completely employee owned and democratic and all that, this is not a viable thing. I understand the appeal of it, but when you actually, and it's the same problem actually as Occupy Wall Street, Uh, if you don't have some kind of a leadership structure, it's very hard to make this kind of thing work, especially, it's different if it's government, but even if it's a government system, having like a not at all hierarchical, I mean, and I'm not even talking like a flat hierarchy, they just want no hierarchy at all, purely democratic, sounds good but it's not a recipe for productivity it's not a recipe for making things work um you have you know if you have to vote on everything this is you know I I, I'm I agree a lot with a lot of things that DSA says and does uh I love Bernie although some of the stuff he's done recently I understand his motivation for supporting Biden but it hurts Yeah, it's still like ouch but I do get it um, and I was there like 2016, I I was there myself. And I can't begrudge anyone <laughs> for looking at Trump and saying, yeah, this guy's gotta go at any cost. I understand that, believe me. But DSA, if I, I highly encourage you, if you're kind of of that leaning, go to one of their meetings because it's so bureaucratic and it's so just, I, I mean, it, it's this weird thing, I've talked about this before, but it's so democratic that it becomes anti-democratic. The idea of everybody has a say ultimately means that nobody really has a say. And it does also mean, and this is a thing that I think gets lost in, you know, again, it sounds so great on the surface, but then when you start implementing it, well, they do have a structure. The structure is not hierarchical in terms of like actual authority, but they have like somebody who's running the meetings. You have somebody who's like the chair. And, and, so, and then they also have like people in charge of uh, various committees, which I think frankly is a good thing. They need more of that, not less. But the problem is, you know, the people who are in those positions, the people who know the system have, even though it's meant to be like no particular power, they have undue power just because they know the system they know how to get things through they have you know social capital which lets them exert undue influence and i'm not saying that the chairs of dsa uh, of local groups are bad i'm just saying that they have a lot of influence so it's it's kind of a lie that it is democratic um you know it's and also, I'm not sure that being purely democratic is necessarily a good thing. I mean, there's, there's a whole study, and in this, again, not a political science course, take one, please. But there's a whole study of like problems with just pure democracy. And the, the obvious simple one is just um, the tyranny of the minority. The, the blah, blah, tyranny of the majority. Getting ahead of myself there. But the tyranny of the majority is basically if 90% of the people decide to fuck over 10% of the people, which happens a lot um, and could be completely extreme, but it could also be, you know, less so, then the 10% are fucked. So you have to, if you want democracy to work, you have to find some way to kind of counterbalance that. Um, You need something to ensure that minorities have rights. Um, You also have tyranny of the minority because if you try to push this in like, when you're trying to balance things, sometimes the balance is not perfect. And sometimes it's not even, I I mean, I think unfortunately this is something that is almost intractable, which is not to say you can't do better, but I think when you start, the more I look into this, the more I'm afraid that like social, there's a whole study of social decision theory and like how you make decisions as a group. And if you have, a versus B, you can pretty much do it, but you pretty much never actually have A versus B. And once you have either three options or a huge spectrum of options, things get complicated. And things get complicated in a way that is basically, uh, it, it basically guarantees that no matter what system you're using, uh, and I mentioned this in, a lo- in one of these a long time ago, but um, no matter what system you're using, you end up having undue power for some people, or you end up having weird things where, because people are going you know, for or against some irrelevant option, uh, the group makes a different decision than they would otherwise. You end up having things where you know, the, the collective decision does not requif- does not accurately represent the decision of even a majority of people. And it is one of these things where you start, it it sounds crazy, uh, but read about it. uh, Read about like arrows and probability, impossibility theorem and this kind of stuff. There's a whole, yeah, go to that Wikipedia page. It'll take you down a huge rabbit hole. And it just, it's depressing. It's frankly really depressing because I love the idea of pure democracy, but it just doesn't, it doesn't really work. And you also have like the amount of, One of the problems with that idea is it takes a lot of time and, you know, just to understand what the problem is. So you have a big group of people, everybody might think intuitively, oh, this is obviously the right choice. But there are a very small number of people who are actually experts. And those experts could be people with special training or they could be people who've been particularly inclined to like look into this do the research and study it they understand things at a much deeper level and really the decision making should be largely you know based on i think them and the rest are very irrelevant but also the rest you know unless you're spending all of your time thinking about this stuff and looking into it you can cause a lot of harm with good intentions You can think, I mean, this is like, I've I've talked about this before, but the propositions, ballot initiatives that we have in Arizona, almost, it, it sounds great. It's like, oh, well, a group of people who are really dedicated can, this is the story, can put one of these initiatives together. They can get the signatures. They can get it on the ballot. They can get it implemented either as a state constitutional amendment or as legislation. Sounds great. It sounds, you know, It's like, oh, that's the dream, right? And then you start looking at how it actually ends up being. It's like, well, okay. The signature requirements for one of these, first off, before you even get to signatures, you have to go through a whole process. Now, if you're a really dedicated person or organization, it's totally tractable, but it's a process. It takes a lot of like legal work. It takes a lot of just bureaucratic work just to get the petitions to the point where you can even start collecting them. And then once you've got that, the signature requirements are so great that you can be a massive statewide organization and it's still very challenging, especially if you're using volunteers, exceedingly challenging just to meet the threshold. And once you get there, almost without fail, unless it's something that is almost universally popular, which it never is, um, almost without fail, you get a signature challenge and a bunch of your signatures get invalidated and that's a whole legal battle. So it costs money to fight that. If you don't fight, you lose by default. If you do fight, it's a lot of money and you still might lose. And then if you don't have the threshold after having signatures invalidated, you're not on the ballot. If you do have the threshold, then you have to go against you know whatever people are promoting and sort of the way that you frame things can either make things sound really good when they're terrible, or it can make things sound really bad when they're not. And then you can have people like twisting the whole thing and misrepresenting it. It's just, it's a clusterfuck, honestly. And that's kind of the, the people who should be doing the initiatives. What you end up having in practice, you do have that occasionally, but what I see much more than that is you have a very wealthy special interest uh, that puts in a shit ton of money They have like a team of lawyers, they have the money to pay for petitioners and these paid petitioners go around, collect the signatures for them. And for them, it's like checking the box, you know, for um, an organization that is kind of like a grassroots teacher's organization, huge, huge lift to get something. And even then, you know, like Red for Red, simple example, even then you can get taken off the ballot Uh, But if you're like a mining company and you can throw millions of dollars at this, you can get whatever the fuck you want on and you can frame it in a way, I mean, you can't be like overtly deceptive, but there's a lot of leeway. There's a lot of leeway in terms of, and and also you kind of can because you need a court challenge. You can't, you could put something on there that is technically illegal, but if no one fights it or no one is able to beat you because you have so much money, you know, and again, this is a thing that you look at like court challenges, ideally, you know, if something is wrong, you could sue and get it fixed. In practice, the way our, our legal system is built, uh, if something is wrong, you could try to sue. But just looking at like even if you have a cheap lawyer, even if you have someone who's trying to do it pro bono and their hourly rate is really low, like typical lawyers the that we have couple hundred dollars an hour seems like, kind of par for the course. Imagine you have somebody who's like $50 an hour and they're trying to waive most of it. So they're by lawyer standards, very, very cheap. Um, they have to pay the bills and they're not, as much as it's, you know, like you, you see, oh, you're making a couple hundred dollars an hour and I'm only making, you know, well, yes, but there's a lot of overhead involved in that. There's also a lot of education. There's a lot of things that, you know, it's not like it's free to be a lawyer. And so, and I'm not trying to make you feel sympathy for lawyers, but you have to understand, like, if you're a lawyer and you really have good intentions, and you really don't charge very much, you know, and especially if you're trying to do things for people who are like a good cause, you could spend years working on something like this, have a lot of court filings, all this stuff, and it can com- completely occupy you. If they don't have the money to pay at least your living expenses which, you know, even if you're subsisting, they're not zero, right? Uh, If they can't do that and they can't cover your other expenses, then what are you gonna do? You have to be basically independently wealthy to do it or willing to just grind by. And even if you're willing to grind by, there's a finite limit to what you can do. And so you go through this and maybe, maybe years later, you can win the legal expenses um, or some reduced fraction of them. But the problem is it's years of fighting. There's no guarantee of that. You could very easily lose it. And yeah, so it's just, it's like, can you afford to float for a couple of years? Imagine it goes perfectly. You win the case, you, you win the legal expenses. Now you're okay, kind of. Um, and then you're just basically like back to zero in a couple years after going massively in debt and you know, suffering, your career kind of like is on hold, all of this kind of stuff, it's not, it's not a good system. Um, and if you're a company like Amazon or Apple or Samsung, you can have essentially infinite legal resources. Um, and then it, the thing that's also interesting here is like if you put Amazon up against, well, one that I always give it as an example here is Apple up against Samsung. Both of these have so much money, uh, you, know, you would think that whoever's right would prevail. But they have so much money, they can throw lawyers and motions and all this stuff. This is a thing also, like what, if you're a lawyer, even if you're gonna lose, you can throw a bunch of motions up and just keep making the, the opposition do more work. You have to respond to the motions or else you get like a summary, like a default judgment or something. And if you don't, then you yeah. know. So you have to keep fighting but if you keep fighting, it costs money, it costs time, and it just, you're bleeding to death slowly. So, you yeah, know, but if you're Apple suing Samsung, no guarantee to win. In fact, often like kind of, eh, it's a mixed bag. And when you look at like a normal person up against a company like you, you're just Joe Schmoe up against Apple or Amazon or Samsung, or even like just some smaller mining company, you're probably fucked. You're probably actually fucked. So it's one of the frustrating things. I mean, you like, I I I love, or I don't say maybe love is not the right word. There are a lot of things about Apple that historically I've liked. Not a perfect company, lots of problems, but you know, you look at the things that they do, and they have a lot of good stuff that they've done. Um, a lot of the things that have been controversial, like getting rid of DVD drives, yeah. Even when they got rid of them, I was never using mine. And by getting rid of it, it's a lot of mechanical complexity. It's a lot of thickness that they got rid of. Getting rid of mechanical hard drives. um, You could, you know, now you have a computer that's all solid state. So very much more robust, um, much thinner again. Thin is nice, but fighting, you know, certain things they're nice and then they kind of push too hard and, you know, like fuck things up by going too, too extreme. But the thing that bothers me is that they're they're again so massive, so successful that you know I, if you are an individual and there are things that you would like to get fixed, like if there are things that you're like, eh, it, I love the I love this operating system, but this thing is fucked up. Right now, my computer's in the other room because the fan is running because it's hot, um, not because it's hot in here, but because just opening up Logic doing anything else Um, and the weird thing is my CPU activity doesn't even go up that much but the computer gets super hot the fans come on full blast uh, which makes me think there's something physically wrong with it and then it might crash so you might be listening to this uh, with terrible audio and if you are it's because my fucking computer crashed Um, I hope that doesn't happen but it's you know it's a thing that I'm worried about right now and so it's probably not that hard to fix. Uh, I would love to actually talk to Apple and, you know, like, hey. And I do file feedback and I file bug reports and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes talk to Apple, Care. although it's, you know, the support stuff really is so excruciating that I just don't do it most of the time or I've delayed it. Like the previous MacBook Pro that I had, sorry to get back into this, but the previous MacBook Pro I had had a shitty keyboard, defective keyboard, not just... Mine was shitty, defective by design. Um, it was shitty, but I, I lived with it for like a year because I had an external keyboard, and most of the time I would use that except when I, when I was using my, my my portable computer as a portable computer, I would use it at home most of the time, and you know it was just like I had no alternative computer and it would take like a week to get it repaired so it's really hard, even if it's free, in air quotes, to get it repaired, it costs a lot of time, it costs a lot of effort. And to go through that process also takes time and effort. It's a pain in the ass. Um, it's not fun, it's not enjoyable, it's just grindy. And I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's the same thing also with uh, just kind of any bureaucracy, uh, especially when it's not designed well. Fixing things is very hard. Um, Although, it can be done. So this is the thing that's annoying as well. It's not like it's an intrinsic, inherent property of things like this. It doesn't have to suck. Um, This is a weird example, but I think this will actually be the last thing I talk about, but uh, the IRS. And this one, it's it's an example of regulatory capture. It's an example of government systems that could be much better, but aren't. And it's, it's also an example, I think, of a case where it's not that anyone is deliberately necessarily making things shitty. I mean, there are people who benefit from them being shitty, but I don't think somebody's like setting out to say, okay, let's make this terrible. But just through entropy, um, if you don't have somebody pushing really hard to make things good, the default position is that they suck. So like the IRS, you think about how taxes should be. The way taxes are, uh, even if you have a uh, stupidly simple, you know, like you just have a normal salaried position. Um, you don't make a ridiculous amount of money. Your taxes are just simple and standard. You don't have a bunch of deductions. You don't need a CPA to go through this stuff. In principle, you shouldn't even have to file taxes. It should just automatically, I mean, this is how it should work, honestly. You You work, money goes in, The right amount of money comes out and you're just good, that's it. Now, maybe if you have something exceptional happen, you have to file like an an exception form, but you shouldn't have to ever file like a 1040 or any of this stuff, it should just happen. Maybe you have to file like a change of address or other stuff to update. But to do that, there should be a great online system that you can easily log into that just works, uh, that doesn't look like it's from the 90s, you know, not that looks are everything, but it's amazing how bad the IRS's system is. And like they have certain things that work really well. If you form a company and you needed a new EIN, which is like the taxpayer identifier, it's like a social security number for a company, getting that takes five minutes, no problem at all. It's super easy. Um, it's not beautiful, but it works. Uh, filing your taxes though, say you wanna file your taxes online, you go to irs.gov, oh, I wanna file taxes. Oh, well that's great well here are five private companies that we've randomly selected this is the thing there's no online system for the irs for filing your fucking taxes now you can electronically submit your taxes but in order to file them you have to go through one of these private companies and this is again this fucking delusion that people have that somehow free enterprise and private industry is better than government at everything uh, it's just fucking not so You have to go through these things and oh yeah, it's free if your salary is like, if you make less than some threshold, it's kind of free, but you still probably end up paying a little bit. Um, And it's just like, it's just such a fucking pain in the ass. And then you have to go through this process. And again, it's not that big of a deal, but it's a pain in the ass, you know, and it shouldn't be. There's no need for it to be a pain in the ass. Even if you have a bunch of exemptions or a bunch of special cases, um, it should be quick. It should be like easy, but here you have these, these companies you know, have spent so much money lobbying Congress that the IRS doesn't do what they should obviously do. Um, you have all these things like, uh, yeah, having it be complex is in the benefit of people like CPAs. If taxes were simple, and don't get me wrong, if taxes were simple, we'd still have a CPA for our companies, but my personal stuff, I could just file uh, and I wouldn't, or better not not file and I'd just be done with it. Uh, the, the thing that's crazy there, and this is a thing like up my, my entire life uh, from every job that I've had, you have this thing where it asks for how much are you going to withhold? And it it's this thing like, how do you want to withhold this much, this much, or this much? Uh, then you look at it and you're like, I don't fucking know. And you can kind of figure it out eventually with a lot of effort or if you've done it many times then you have an idea but it's just it's completely opaque you don't know what the fuck you're doing uh, it's not obvious what the right answer is and it's just a guess it's literally a shot in the dark or it's a lot of effort and even after putting in that effort it's kind of complicated and it's not really completely straightforward it's annoying it doesn't need to be um, i mean that one like yeah, this will this will literally be my last thing. But insurance, medical insurance. I I worked, so now I have basically one choice, one plan, uh, which is cheaper and with better coverage than my ACA plan, which tells you how shitty the ACA is. The ACA, like it, it's like okay, it's better than having a lot of people completely uncovered. Um, although now people are getting uncovered again, but. It it should be so much simpler and so much, you know, and, and then you look at how fucked up and shitty it is. And again, it doesn't need to be, but the reason, the reason, for example, healthcare.gov was such a clusterfuck, and it still is kind of a clusterfuck, is that instead of having a single payer system where you just have to build the system and it be done with it, they did this stupid public-private partnership thing. You have this neoliberal consensus that makes people think, oh yeah, we have to have, you know, all of these, we have to have, all these insurance insurance companies have to actually do it instead of just having the government fucking do it. Uh, you have, and the thing is, they're also, they're for-profit companies, which means that their incentives are to maximize profit, not to give you the best healthcare, versus something that was like publicly responsible to people, and if it didn't work, people could, you know, get new people elected and do something about it. Um, but you have these, these private companies They're for profit, it's all fucked up. Everyone has to talk to every other one. Uh, and, And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certain things where like everything is simple until you get in the weeds and then it becomes complicated. So I don't mean to imply that either one of these things is just completely trivial. Like healthcare is never gonna be completely easy. Taxes are never gonna be completely easy, but they don't need to be nearly as hard as they are. They don't need to be nearly as expensive or painful as they are. And it should just, it could be so much better. You know, it should, just just like the carte vitale thing. You should have, every fucking American, should have a medical ID card. And that medical ID card should have your entire history, access to every one of your tests you've ever had, access to any drugs you're on, anything else on that fucking card. And your insurance should be, you know, and, we can talk about how insurance is paid, but you you have the card, all of the stuff, you just go into the hospital, whatever, they get the card, scan it, they've got your whole history, they've got everything they need. You don't have to fill out a form unless you have something like, you know, why are you here? So instead of like 10 pages of shit that you filled out a million times and that you could make a mistake putting something in, you could deliberately leave something out, somebody putting that into the computer could make a mistake. Um, instead of all that shit, It's just there, it's just one system, magic, hand it to somebody, you're done. Why are you here? You have like one side of one page form. I'm here because of this, this is my complaint, this is and then you're done. That's, it's so, doesn't need to be this shitty or complicated. And it just, it makes me angry that people defend this shit. Similar, similar to like defund the police. You know, all cops are bastards, all cops are bad. I say this all the time, I've been saying this for a very long time, but don't. I haven't been saying the defund the police that much, but that one not have kind of come up on, but the the fact that cops are terrible, it's just, I, I the fact that that's hard to explain to people, the fact that people are, are so like knee jerky in defense of cops, uh, and, and so in defense of cops, I guess I'm not ending quite yet, but I, this will be the last thing for real people defend cops and you don't think okay do cops need to go to you know like if the cop is out there regulating traffic do they need to have a gun do they need to have body armor and all this stuff do they need to be a cop probably not if they're a social worker do you need somebody that's armed going to places and doing this stuff probably not maybe you have law enforcement in case there's actual law enforcement that needs to be done but if somebody's investigating a crime, do you need a cop there? Again, probably not. You think of all these things and you start, oh, well, you don't really need this, you don't really need this, you don't really need this. And then you start looking at the budgets, like hundred, standard cities are spending hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars funding these people. And it's a significant, huge chunk of the budget and most of the stuff that they're doing is not helping. It's mostly stuff that somebody else could do or that doesn't need to be done. I mean, here's another one of the things, like you, you look at like victimless crimes, um, the one that you know, just the super obvious low hanging fruit. I've never, um, I've never done pot, never have tried it, very likely won't. But if you look at the rates of cannabis use across you know, demographics, Most people use it pretty much about the same, the same percentages, uh, whether you're black or white, rich or poor, pretty similar. You look at the law enforcement of that though, if you are rich and white, you probably have no consequences ever. If you are black and poor, you are probably fucked. You are very likely, and, and this is particularly egregious when you look at, Obama used pot when he was a kid, not a big deal. But there are people who have had their lives destroyed utterly for that. And, you know, like they've been arrested, charged, convicted of a felony, done time in prison, and then they come out and they're disenfranchised permanently for something that the former president of the United States did. You know, Bill Clinton. You look at at this stuff and you think, how is this fucking illegal? And then you think also, I mean, it goes into private prisons and all of this too. The private prisons are, you know, their whole financial incentive is to make more revenue, make more profit. To do that, your customers, air quotes, are the fucking prisoners. So you wanna get more prisoners, which means you're gonna lobby for tougher laws. And you have all of these laws that again, they're not helping anyone. All they're doing is fucking up society. And there are also laws like this where Again, if you're black and poor, more than twice as likely that you will get arrested, charged, convicted, all of this, than if you're white and rich. Or if you're just, you know, the racial disparity is pretty similar. If you you add in both race and socioeconomic status, it's crazy. But it's just, it makes you fucking infuriated. And then you get people defending this shit like, oh. Yeah, and and again, like I walk around my neighborhood People smoke pot, I'm in my house, sometimes people are doing it nearby. I don't like it, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of people getting drunk and rowdy either, but it doesn't mean that people should be getting fucking arrested, charged, convicted, and having their lives ruined over it. Yeah, and it's just, it just irritates the shit out of me. And then you look at how much money goes into that for the prisons, for the cops, for the public defenders, for the prosecutors, all of this shit. And the number of people the number of citizens who are in prison, um, and then once they're in prison, yeah, it it fucks you not only in the sense that you your life from now on is much more complicated. Every time you get a you apply for a job or anything like that, you have to tell your prospective employer you're a convicted felon. That's great. It sounds like you're a murderer or a rapist, but no, in this case, no. It's just I don't know it annoys the shit out of me that this is a thing. People defend it. Um, and I, I do believe, I really do believe, the ACAB thing, all cops are bastards, all cops are bad. Um, you have to defund them. You have to, the, the, frankly, the right thing to do would just be to abolish the police and then create new organizations to do the, and You don't just do this overnight, like, yeah, obviously, but do it in the right way in that End all of the contracts, and this is one of the reasons you do it, End all of the contracts by dissolving the organizations, and then rehire people if you want. They have to reapply with better contracts that don't completely give them immunity to everything, uh, that make it possible to fire people and have them face consequences. And also, you don't need a paramilitary occupying force in American cities. You don't need these people just dressed up in military cosplay with, you know, just assault rifles and uh, like, literally military equipment, um, things that you would use for crowd control in Fallujah, probably, not Not that you should be using it there, but definitely shouldn't be using it in New York or Chicago or LA or wherever. So anyway, with that, um, thank you very much for listening and uh, hopefully Hopefully I'll go over there and the computer will not have crashed and you're actually gonna get good audio uh, because the alternative will be, this is very shitty. Uh, thanks again, uh, just riled up about this. Um, not that I spoke about something specific, but yeah, you know, anyway, that's how it goes, tangents. So thanks and Sai Jan.